Hello, and welcome to the Flannel Manifesto with Brian and Afshin. Adults-only podcast. If you have any kids in the room, get those little fuckers out of there. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Flannel Manifesto. We realize it's been a while since you've heard our voices. It's not my fault. I've been doing cool things and have neglected to... Um, not that we do much editing, but we like to add in all the great sound effects and um, intros that, that you guys love so much. The Flannel Manifesto isn't uh, something cool? You know, it's, we, it's not... Do it, I need to put us on probation to make you appreciate the podcast? <laughs> it's not quite on Portland level yet, or on riding the train <laughs> level yet. All right. But if we get some tweets, maybe we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll bump it up a level of cool, but right now I'm just not not feeling the love. Yeah. All right. Well, today we got a few things. Uh, so Badger basketball, they're on a little bit of a winning streak. We'll touch How many on games? them. Six games now. Ooh. Won six in a row. After starting one and four in the Big Ten, they are now seven and four in the Big Ten. So we'll talk about them. We'll uh, touch on some media, pop culture, um, and then we have just uh, three things to cover in uh, our quick hits department, but let's talk Badger basketball. So six-game winning streak, just beat Northwestern by 11. Nebraska. Nebraska, sorry, by 11. And now they have a tough stretch. They go at Maryland, at Michigan State. But they're on the bubble of the Big Ten, of the NCAA tournament. You want to hear my prediction? I'm ready. We're winning out. Really? Really. All, all the way, how, how far winning out? Regular season winning out. Winning out, okay. And... We had, you 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 saw it before. We had the potential. The the close games close games against uh, Indiana, beating Michigan State. Mm-hmm. The close losses. We knew there was just we weren't closing the games then. Right. And we knew it was something that this young team needed to learn how to do. And it looks like, you know, under coach guard, they've actually figured that out. I don't know if it's loosened the reins a bit, giving them a little more, and that's given them more confidence. Mm-hmm. But they're they're not making the same stupid mistakes at the end of the game, and I don't think we're gonna they're gonna um, go back to, to 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 that kind of poor play. Yeah, I think uh, so. Yes, they've been uh, far better closing games. Hayes has been tremendous in, uh, especially during this winning streak. I mean, he has 25, let's just look at the winning streak, okay, the last six games, 25, 15, 31, 17, 21, and 20. Right. Well, Brian, we knew that, we knew that the level, the the low level of play he was at before Mm -hmm. um, was not normal. Right. We knew that was an aberration. It was going to change the question was when, and I think we had talked about how... He was moving from a number four option up to being the number one option, and how how difficult that is mm-hmm. to learn what even just what your go to moves are. Yeah, when when you need to play in the flow of the offense and when you need to take over. Yep, as a number one option, and I think you know as we expected, it took some time, but he's there now. Yeah, he is there, and he he's. He's shooting the ball a little bit better from three. Right. And the perimeter, like, he, it's weird. He just all of a sudden lost his three-point shot at the beginning of this year. So that has opened up his driving, 
in his post game because he can shoot a little bit more. Right. And you know, Wisconsin's looking looking really good right now. And this is something you noticed, but hashtag free Jordan Hill. Yeah. Where was he? Why wasn't know. Orion playing Jordan Hill? I don't know, but now that he's playing, he's doing very well. What are, do you have some numbers on him? Yeah, let me take a look. I'll I'll, I'll let you know. But today, uh, in today's game, he he was. I guess he was two of. He played twenty seven minutes, most off the bench. He's coming off the bench. He was two of five from three point range, forty percent from three, and he had seven points. Was he? Did he ever play more? I don't even think he ever played more than fifteen minutes under Bo Ryan. Yeah, he was. It, it was weird. Like he didn't play. So I'm just looking at like his minutes earlier in the season. This is the first game of the season. One minute, twelve minutes, five, five, zero, two minutes, and then he didn't play in five straight games to start the season. And then as soon as Bo Ryan left, so the the first game Greg Greg Gard coached, he played 22 minutes. In the game against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, Bo Ryan's last game, he played two minutes. So his minutes have just sharply, significantly yeah. increased. So maybe, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it's not Greg Gard. Maybe it's just, well, it, it is partially Greg Gard. Maybe, maybe it's just Jordan Hill. Yeah. Jordan Hill, you know, another athletic guard who can free up some space for uh, Nigel to uh, operate. Yeah, and they re- and they really were missing some uh, steady playmaking playmaking ability off the bench because he, uh, Bo Ryan was paying, playing a lot of freshmen, which is sort of uncharacteristic for him a little bit. Uh, but he was playing guys like Khalil Iverson a lot, guys yeah. like Charlie Thomas a lot. Yeah, both freshmen, both pretty inexperienced. And Taylor's or Jordan Hills come in and really um, you know giving them a spark off the bench and some just steady. Playmaking. Yeah. So this is all leading up to my conspiracy theory that Bo Ryan was intentionally tanking. There's no way. <laughs> there's no way that Greg Gard just knew the second that Bo Ryan left that Jordan Hill was the answer. But you, you really think Bo Ryan is this evil genius uh, tanking the season? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Anyways, we've, uh, we've had the win streak, so yeah. What, what about, are we in the tournament? Are we in the tournament? Um... Not at the moment. Well, Joe Lenardi has the Badgers as among the first four out of the tournament, but that was before uh, tonight's win, and we'll have to see. If they can win one of two on the road against Michigan State and Maryland, I think they have a very strong case. Problem is they have a lot of bad losses. Right. But at the moment, I mean, I think it's fair to say we're the hottest team in the Big Ten. Uh, I, yeah. Even Iowa? I was pretty good. I was pretty hot. They've lost, but I mean, Iowa and Maryland, I think, are probably on a tier of uh, with themselves above a little bit above everyone else. And but I think Wisconsin's reaching that second tier, second right. group of teams. Well, and, it's not going to matter once we win, win out. Yeah, right? yeah. But I, but realistically, I, you know, I think I'm more hoping that we win out. I think we'll split one of the games. I actually think we'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll beat Michigan State at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And then I think we'll win out, um, we'll lose to Maryland, and we'll win out the rest of the games that we should win. Yeah. And depending on our draw in the tournament, um, you know, I think we could make it to the final game. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's crazy. A year that I thought there's no chance they make the NCAA tournament, losing to Western Illinois, losing to Marquette, losing to UW-Milwaukee, 
And now uh, it's pretty amazing that they have a shot, you know? Well, the, the talent's finally coming through. Mm-hmm. You know? Vito. Vito. Bronson. Hayes, yeah. Yeah. They're all playing well. Speaking of uh, talent, I saw this on social media today, but I think uh, the Wisconsin Facebook page asked fans what their all-time Badger starting five. What, what, what What's your... Who's your... Well, I think you've got to put you've got to you've got to have Devin Harris. Yep, got to have Devin Harris. He was probably one of the most athletic players we've had, with just you know that combination of size and speed and uh, yeah. quickness. And you know he could he in, at least on the college level he was a good shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of fading. Yeah. And, you know. He could, didn't have the same range in the NBA. He was really that f- the first Bo Ryan player. Bo Ryan had good teams, but Devin Harris, I think, uh, was really the first kind of transcendent star that Bo Ryan ever had. Right. Well, you're forgetting who I, th- I think we both agree would be number two on our list, who was a transcendent star in his homeland. Mm-hmm. None other than the Aussie, or was he... I think he's Australian. Aussie. Yeah. yeah. The Aussie... Uh, Kirk Penny. Yeah, great shooter. Uh, cannot leave him open. Probably the, he, I think he's the best shooter of of my memory. Of my memory yeah. of the Badgers. Yeah. So let's call it from 2002 forward. Um, I, I can't think of a better, sh- a pure shooter. Yeah, he the, the thing that he was like a one-man offense unto himself. I mean, I remember they used to run him off baseline screens, and he could catch and shoot. Uh, with the best of them, really, and you know that that he was just such a great shooter coming off of screens that uh, I think having him in your backcourt with Devin Harris, it's a really great combination because you have the drive yeah. and kick possibility with Harris, and you know they just complement each other so well. Yeah, and uh, let's let's go with a couple of the obvious ones. Yeah, center Frank Kaminsky. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't think of another center who comes close. The next most. Highly touted center from Wisconsin, Brian Butch. He never lived up to his potential. No. He was still very serviceable. But, you know, for a guy who was, you know, was he uh, first team, all Wisconsin, known as a... He was known in high school as he was a McDonald's. He was a McDonald's All-American. McDonald's All-American, known for mm-hmm. being the big guy who could shoot. He never really stretched the floor like you no. hoped he would. No, um, But Frank Kaminsky... Is that guy just one? He could actually move off the dribble. Yep. Um, and with a ball in his hands, he could do some damage if you uh, if you probably from the top of the key. Yeah. Face facing up on someone. Yeah. Yeah. He was for his size. I mean, yeah, he can space the floor. He could take it. He he had a good post game. He could put the ball on the floor and create for other people. He was actually a pretty good passer. Probably underrated yeah. passer. And. Uh, yeah, I think so. You got him at the five, and then I think at the four you put T- Alondo Tucker. Right. That that's one was a tough one for me because Mike Wilkinson is <laughs> automatic, but Mike Wilkinson is much more of a one trick pony. Yeah. Um, and Alondo Tucker is a little undersized for power forward, but he, great athlete, great, athlete. great athlete, and he had he had a strong post game. I think. Most of his offense came out of just slow po- post ups. Yeah, you know when we stalled, 
It was just dump it off to Alondo, and he would slowly back him down. Yep. Um, and then you know, obviously, he also had great a great slashing ability. Uh, not a not a great shooter from could that shoot side. though. Yeah, but we're not. It wasn't his strengths. No, and that's not the role on and this particular team. Right. That's not the role we'd ask him to play. Right. And then for the number th- for our number three, we have um, someone also of was recently drafted, who I think has a same similar slashing game to Alondo Tucker, better shot, but no post up game. Mm-hmm. That is Sam Decker. Yeah. So Devin Harris, Kirk Penny, Sam Decker, Alondo Tucker, Frank Kaminsky. Right. And you've got from it so you've got three players who four players who can start who you have to stretch out to guard the floor. Mm-hmm. Kaminsky and Kirk Penny are your best deep threats, but you can't leave Devin Harris open. You can't leave Sam Decker open. Yep. You could probably leave Alondo Tucker open from unless it's a corner three. Right. Um, you've got two great slashers, and then but you've also have two guys you can dump the ball off to in the post, and you've got four guys who can create their own offense. Yep. And then you have one guy who can just run around and take whatever whatever shot he can get off with, you know, half a foot of space. Yeah, and so we the two guys we left off that I, you know, obviously we left off, uh, Michael Finley, who was probably a better pro player than he was player at Wisconsin. Right, right. But I never saw him play at Wisconsin, so I don't yeah. know how... It's hard for me to judge how good he is. Yeah, and then another guy I was thinking about just because I liked his defensive ability, uh, Mike Kelly. Hmm. I never, never seen him. Play. Which again, you it was you weren't a fan back then. I was so, not a fan you know, back then. You, you, you sort of it was before <laughs> I went to Wisconsin. But I will say, I there is one person who I would want on the bench just because I think he's one of the streakiest shooters we've had. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. He looks like Chris Rock. Oh, Cam Taylor. Cam Taylor. Would you agree? Was he one of our more streakier shooters when he was on? Yeah. He was on. Yeah, I, he, he was. I suppose on, but he's. Yeah, I, I didn't really care for him. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was hot or cold, but that's why you just yeah. keep him at the bottom. You a, lot, know? a lot of cold. Yeah, a lot of cold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was okay. I guess I was, he's fine. He's a pretty good athlete, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, he he shoot. He was a streaky shooter. That, yeah. That's for sure. So, um, all right, that's our starting five. Uh, we'll we'll pick up. We'll keep an eye on Wisconsin basketball. They have a big stretch coming yeah. up. So who knows? Who knows? Nigel Hayes has been playing so well. Yeah, I think you know Sam Decker. Watch out because you're spotting this list. It might be <laughs> on, yeah. Uh, honestly, yeah. If there's any weak link, um, you know Sam Decker would be the first guy off. I'd say because remember Decker had a great tournament last year, right? But his he, overall, he, he, he never yeah. he never carried a team for a full season, right? And he never we never got to see his full potential as a number one option, right? Right. And oh, except for that brief glimpse in the tournament, mm-hmm. but we're getting to see that with Nigel Hayes. So yeah. Sam Decker, I feel, is just a lot riding the a lot of the hype right yeah. now. Yeah. But I'm, I always buy into hype. So. <laughs> 
yeah, hook, line, and sinker for you, I guess. So let's uh, let's talk some media pop culture real quick. So, have you, have you seen the show The Wire? Yes, you have. I've watched. I watched. I've watched all the seasons. What what are, what are your thoughts on the show overall? I think it's a great show. Great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know what I can say other than that. Where it's just a well thought out show. I liked how each season had a different angle, a different theme, mm-hmm. um, and how it all connected together. But I, you know, it was a show I couldn't stop watching, and not only could I not stop watching because I wanted to know what happened, but it. It makes it makes you think about you know the 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 conditions we we have in our cities yeah and uh, circumstances in which we as a society are are okay with allowing people to live in yeah so I bring it up or we were talking about it because obviously it's a it's a great show both of us have seen it um, what, how do you feel about it as a college course? Now, I don't think this is a novel idea. I think some other universities have used uh, the wire in their in their teaching. But St. Olaf in Minnesota has it on the syllabus or has a, has a course, I guess. Right. Um, just to kind of talk to to talk about race relations. Look to talk about police. Look, if you were to t- try to talk about race relations at a school like St. Olaf. Mm-hmm. Which is in Northfield, Minnesota, shares a town with Carleton College. It's a very, very white school. Very few minorities. Mm-hmm. Very few black students. If you want to have a meaningful discussion about race, how can you talk about it when no one knows what, you know, has any idea of what the black experience might be like? Yeah. That being said, <laughs> is a TV show one you know the best way to you know have students think of the black experience, um, you know? And I think some people would say, look, it's an accurate representation of life in Baltimore, mm-hmm. and you just have to you know students have to be told, and they need to recognize that this is you know. It's one angle of what might be the black experience in, in America versus, right. you know, not every, it's not the same, you know, yeah, yeah. and they shouldn't stereotype based off of it. No, no. But I do think there is something to be said. And I think the professor made this comment in the article that talk, you, you know, using a TV show as an entry point to talk about race and some of those issues makes it less personal, maybe, and a yeah. little, little less heated and maybe a little more productive. Right. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I, I, there's something, I think there's a little something to be said for that. No, I, I think it's good. I mean, I th- you know, one thing that's great about The Wire is it talks about, it, it does, it directly addresses inequality. Mm-hmm. And it, it shows it in, in ways that people... Are generally not seeing it on cop shows on TV. Yeah, yeah. You're not show. You're not seeing dirty cops. You're not seeing politicians broke. You know, brokering backroom deals to for right. their own gain. Right. Um, at the expense of entire communities. Um, but that stuff does happen, and I think, you know, just, just seeing how it how it could work. Yeah. Um. 
is be- is better. Uh, I think the the reason you picked this show is because no other show really shows that. Yeah, and I think what the wire and the wire does a great job of, and, and I, pun not intended at all, but it's not black and white. Like right. the cops aren't all all good. Right. You know, and and the drug dealers aren't all bad. Right. I mean, yeah, they're criminals. And they're, and they're committing criminal acts, but they also do good things right? for their communities, for other people. And, and I think, and then the cops also do bad things, you know? Right. And I think it's season three, maybe season two, where they're following the kids around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that is where it really ties together. And you, you see how, you know, kind of the cyclical nature of, um, uh, of, of the experience. Right. Right. You know? Yeah, so, I, thought, I thought it was a great show, and uh, you know, I don't know if I if you were in college, would you would you sign up for a course like that? If if this course was offered in Madison, you know, I I feel like I took a similar course. It just used a different medium. Yeah. So my, one course I took was the um, it was a seminar for my freshman year in the African American Studies department, and it was called the. Af- I think it was called the African American Autobiography. So it was basically, you know, um, a, a class where we read various autobiographies and biographies. Um, and it was a way in which we were addressing, you know, learning about the black experience. And, you know, we're also, you know, lear- learning how to write. But it was just a, a different medium. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime you could find a medium that students are interested in, that's great. Yeah, um, I think I'd be interested in it, but at the same time, the old part of me says, "Read a book." Yeah. Now I think there are some books that they have to read, right? In addition to watching the show, but yeah, you're right. Read some books. There's but, some... but yeah, it's it's a good show. If ever, if I could get everyone to watch The Wire, I I would recommend it. Right? Yeah. If everyone yeah. in America would, could watch, if I could make them watch The Wire within the next year, I'd have them watch The Wire because I think it's. Um, a good show, and I think it'll make them think about things that they probably hadn't thought about. Yeah, previously. Yeah. All right, so uh, neither of us have watched the X Files, but we want to. We want to. I don't know if it's too scary. We'll see. Yeah, but so we're gonna give it a try. We'll touch on that. I wanted to talk about the People versus OJ Simpson, which is on FX on Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. and it's taking the entertainment industry by storm. So, Brian, I have a question. Yeah. Um, did you? When were you first aware of O.J. Simpson? Did you know him as an athlete? Uh, I think I knew him as a broadcaster. Okay. I had yeah. no idea who he was. Yeah. Um, so, when I saw the white Bronco, you know, I, I remember I was... Yep. This afternoon, I was at my cousin's house. Yep. He's like, oh man, something's going on. Watch it. Big drama. I had no idea who it was at the time. You knew who he was when when it happened, or you had an idea. Yeah, I had an idea who he was. At least someone famous. Yeah, yeah. Great athlete, former athlete. And what were your thoughts as a a kid, you know? Yeah. Innocent? Guilty? You know, I remember very distinctly that I believed in his innocence. I did too. I did too. And looking back on it, I feel so foolish. It's so foolish. I do too, but I got, you know, I got sucked into the narrative of, you know... The corrupt cop, racist cop narrative. Yeah. Which is a valid issue. Yeah. But I think a lot of the evidence, especially <laughs> when you look at it in hindsight, especially 
when you look at the book he published, yep. if I did it, yeah, um, <laughs> he probably had something to do with it. And if you look at, uh, he he killed two people. And if you if you look at, and I think even more, Brian, if if you look, and I'm gonna bring the NFL into this. If you look at what we now know about mm-hmm. brain trauma yep. and the things it causes people to do and the lack of control they have over their decision and actions because of it, um, I, I think that O.J. Simpson was not born a murderer, but probably had some serious head trauma that mm-hmm. screwed with his brain functioning and cognitive um, ability still still need to be held accountable for what he did. Still need to, still needs to be held but, accountable. But I, I'm saying, yeah, you know, I agree with you. There there's something there. You know, yeah. we've seen Junior Seau took his own life, right? Um, you know, and he and I was it him who they did a big uh, autopsy of and discovered that you know he had massive trauma due and, to the uh, uh, he did it. Uh, Dave Duerson, yep, former safety for the Chicago Bears, yeah, who killed himself by a gunshot wound to his chest so that he could pr- preserve his brain, yeah, so that they could study his brain. I mean, that's just uh, I don't I don't think it's a far leap that people would take their own lives. That if you know there was someone who took took their own life because of the issues they were facing, yeah, um, that's a stretch that someone could have the reaction to take another life because it seemed at the time that O.J. Simpson was suicidal. He was suicidal. He was violent. He had emotional outbursts. He beat his wife. I mean, he beat Nicole Brown uh, Simpson prior to this pretty badly and uh, was able to, I mean, didn't, didn't, you know, really get any big form of punishment for, uh, with that. So, I mean, he's, he had a history of violence. I think like, you know, again, needs to be held accountable for all of his actions. But I think, there, uh, there's almost no doubt in my mind that he's suffering from some brain trauma. Yeah, but going back to you know what we're talking about is we're not you know we're not revisiting. Yeah, yeah. We're not revisiting OJ. We're examining the show, The People versus OJ Simpson. Yeah. So what angle are they coming from? What's the show about? So the show is based on Jeffrey Tubin's book, uh, The Run of His Life, The People versus OJ Simpson. Okay. And largely based on the book, I think the creators. I listened to that to a podcast they were on. They did a lot of their own research and discovered some of their own things. But um, the the genius of this show is the casting. I mean, so what is it? Is it a documentary? Is yeah. It... So it's it's a it's uh, a, it's true crime, but in the vein of like uh, just a reenactment of it. So it's a little bit more, I think, about the. It's a, it's got some race relations in it. It's got some pol- like police in Los Angeles. This is two. Remember the OJ incident happened two years after the, the LA riots, yeah, and the Rodney King. So here, here's my question: um, What? So wh- I haven't seen anything. Mm-hmm. What am I watching? Am I watching? Is there commentary? Are there talking heads? No, no, it's not a documentary. So okay. it's 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 a t- it's a TV show base. You know, on the the events. Okay. That so it's, you know, I'm not gonna call it a Hallmark Channel movie, but essentially a mini series. It is. A, it's mini. It's a, yeah. a mini series. Okay. Ten part mini series. Uh, FX is gonna do Hurricane Katrina for season two. So this is the first season of this sort of like 
true crime right uh, genre miniseries. Yeah. So who's playing OJ? Cuba Gooding Jr. Wow. As OJ. Who's uh, playing Rob uh, Kardashian? David Schwimmer. David Rob Schwimmer. Kardashian. Welcome wow. back, David Schwimmer. He is fantastic in this, by the way. Uh, you He's know phenomenal. I, I've I've always thought he was fantastic in the. Well, I guess it, with within all the movie series I've seen, mini series I've seen him in, he's been fantastic. Yeah, he was excellent in Band of Brothers. Okay, I haven't seen that, but yeah, I've heard good things. We'll comment on that later. Okay. So yeah, so David Schwimmer's John Travolta as Robert Shapiro. Wow. I mean, that's who's playing uh, Kate O'Kalen. <laughs> I honestly don't recognize the actor. Who's playing Judge Ito? Uh, I don't. I'm not sure yet. He is. He hasn't been on yet. Do we have anyone playing Chris Jenner? Uh, yes. You know what? I'm gonna pull up this. Uh, I'm gonna pull up the. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. I. Yeah. It's weird to have a. Essentially, a made-for-TV movie. Yeah. About something that you watched live on TV. Yeah, it, it's bizarre, but it's fantastically done. I mean, it's just incredible. Selma Blair is Chris Kardashian. Okay. So, uh, Judge Ito, I don't know that I have him on here. Well, Sarah so, Paulson as Marsha Clark. Sarah Paulson is really good. I, I will say this. Do you feel that now we're getting the point, you know, we could do production a lot faster, where this happened nearly, what, uh, 20 years ago? Over 20 years ago, yeah. What's that? Are we going to, you know... In just ten years, will we will we be watching a reenactment of the or not a reenactment, but a made for TV miniseries on the, you know, on the primaries we're watching on Donald Trump? I mean, it just seems like everything is moving so fast. That the, yeah, everything is moving so fast into the entertainment realm. Like like we talked about that USC documentary. I mean, they already you know the Texas that was six, USC, what eight years ago? Yeah, and now they're already doing a documentary. Has enough time passed? To for, examine it properly. Right, exactly. And understand the yeah. historical context played in. I'd say for, for with for the OJ trial, yes. Um, I, I think I'd say so. enough, enough time has passed. We understand it. It's not as, you know, it's an event that had a big impact on the country. Yeah. But not, not something like the current primary, yeah, for example. Yeah. It was more of an entertainment. It was an obsession of the country right. versus an actual event that affected the country. Yeah, I think it would be more contentious if OJ were not in prison for 33 years. Right. Because if he were out roaming free... What's he in prison for? He armed burglary. Okay. Trying to steal back some memorabilia that he claimed he, he owned, but... It's, it's I think, sad. you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it would be... If you were roaming free, living a normal life, and they were kind of looking back on this, and yeah. like... Hey, this guy did this pretty yeah. clearly. I think it would be a little more contentious, but right. And you know what? Um, you know what this brings. You know, we're looking. We just talked about impacts of concussion. OJ Simpson, um, in theory, mm-hmm. seemingly uh, got away with double murder. And Roger Goodell just got on TV and said concussions are not an issue. I want my nine-year-old son. If I if I had a son, I'd want my son to be playing football. Yeah. Okay, Roger. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that, but there's 
concussions are bad. <laughs> is what I'm saying, and or not concu- not just concussions, but traumatic brain injury is bad. Is very the military has recognized it. Yeah, and the are and the and the NFL refuses to believe or refuses not believe they probably do believe it. They refuse to acknowledge that um, you know their players who are we watched. Cam Newton get tossed around in the Super Bowl that, you know, traumatic brain injury um, could be could possibly be an issue that, yeah. they want to, that they want to address. Yeah, so who knows? Uh, with with OJ and, and you know, I, I, I'm assuming there's some sort of brain trauma there, especially the age that he played in. I mean, the, the safety equipment, you know, they had no concussion protocol. They had no yeah. understanding of what football did to the brain. And I think, um, and, and you know, the helmets weren't very sophisticated, all, all right. that sort of stuff. So I think, uh, um, I, you know, who knows, but I, I, would, I would be surprised if he didn't have some sort of brain trauma from playing football. But this, this show is awesome. People should watch it. I think it's probably better served to binge, honestly. Like right. I wish I would just wait till to, for it to be over and then just spend like a week. So Brian, yeah, why do, why don't you do that? Because yeah. one, it'll allow you to go uh, have drinks with your friends after basketball. <laughs> you won't leave basketball early. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we could binge it together. You could binge it with your wife. You could do a lot of things. Yeah, you're right. A lot of options you're versus right. just coming back here to a burnt frozen pizza. <laughs> In my sad life, <laughs> not sad life. You, it's a very enjoyable life, okay. but yeah, you could maximize your efficiency. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get into some quick hits. We've got three three quick hits that we want to cover. So, a couple of uh, a bar owner and I think the, a bar manager uh, of a Maple Grove bar uh, is is being charged with a felony for smuggling in spotted cow beer from Wisconsin. It's legal to do that. What a bunch of morons. <laughs> if you're a bar owner, you're getting beer from a distributor, right? Yeah. If you want a new kind of beer, you ask the distributor. The distributor probably said, no, we can't get you spotted cow. <laughs> it's illegal. Right. Um, we're not allowed to sell it. So these clowns just drove across to Hudson, mm-hmm. bought a couple of kegs of it, attached it to their bar lines, and uh, started selling it. I don't know that... Um, I don't know what they were thinking. It's one of the stupider things I think you could do. Yeah, I don't. And I'm reading the article. I don't think they provided any sort of like reasonable explanation for why they did it. Well, I, I mean, they, they wanted to get it. They wanted to have the beer, obviously. Right. The but, um. I, let me find this this quote from here. But let's see. Um, yeah, I th- I think the reason was that they wanted to have a. Uh, they said they wanted craft beer. And there's plenty of craft beer that yeah. could be brought in. Yeah. My biggest, I'll be honest, my biggest issue, though, is they had it, but there was an anonymous tip to state investigators that they were serving Spotted Cow. And while I'm all for people reporting crimes, who the hell goes to a bar, sees her serving a great beer... And okay, in the back of your mind, you know it's not illegal. Why don't you just drink it and be, be happy with it? Yeah. You get spotted cow in Minnesota. You know, you're not going to get in trouble for drinking it. Um. So yeah, these snitches. 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 Get stitches. 
Well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> another anonymous tipster right. will not right. be caught. But yeah. pretty disappointing to see that someone has too much time on their hands yeah. um, to send in anonymous tips on someone serving good beer. I, I, lo- I love this line, too, from the article. Undercover officers visited Maple Tavern on April 13th, ordered spotted cow from the tap, and secretly tested the beer, which proved stronger than the 3.2% alcohol. Undercover, like, what were they doing? Like, did they have, like, a little chemistry lab over in, like, a corner, like, testing the beer? Or did that mean they just, like, started drinking it? Um, I'm guessing they probably placed them in a vial and then okay. walked out with the vials. And test, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. testing, and, and didn't drink it, right? Yeah, I'm sure they drink. You know, you've got to make sure it's actually how you know how yeah, you know yeah, it's yeah, spotted yeah. cow, spotted yeah. cow. That's a part of the you know that's a part of the undercover work. You gotta right. You've got to you've got to prove everything, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Sure, you saw a tap handle that says spotted cow, and they said it was spotted cow, but was it actually spotted cow? Yeah. But um, I found the quote: Lavka and Lantos told investigators. They wanted to sell microbrews in the bar and knew they couldn't acquire the beer from Minnesota distributors, so decided to make a run for the na- run to the neighboring state. So they knew they couldn't get it locally, and they wanted microbrews, million microbrews. There's out tons there. of microbrews. Yeah. Um, what are you doing? That are, I don't want to say just as good as Spotted Cow. Spotted Cow is very good, but there are plenty of plenty of beers that are different. And great in their own way. Yeah, yeah. So, a right. bunch of morons and plus one anonymous party pooper. Yep. All right. So, they'll all get what they deserve, probably. Um, this is a, an interesting story. I wanted to bring this up. Not, uh, I think this is kind of... You know, former Gopher football player wrote an account of what it was like to come out as gay right. to his teammates. And I think he, he didn't come out... To the whole team and like announce it to everyone but he came out to a couple of close teammates and you know he didn't deny it if people asked him about it or or talked to him about it so um he said overall i think uh he said it was a positive experience he got a lot of you know there was some negative pushback from from teammates but um he said overall the the positive outweighed the negative right i mean i that's that's what I would expect in mm-hmm. this day and age, and it's glad to see that people are meeting expectations. Mm-hmm. There are always going to be the the few people who are, you know, pretty close minded and feel the need to hate. Um, but <coughs> being in Minnesota, I, you know, do what I expect. We have a pretty understanding community. Yeah, absolutely. And accepting community. Yeah. So anyway, just want just a quick mention on that. I thought it was a, a nice story and something that uh So his name was Tanner or Luke McAvoy. Is he any relation to Tanner McAvoy? I think it's spelled differently. Oh okay. Yeah. I think I think he spells his name <coughs> McAvoy with an A and I think Tanner is McAvoy with an E. Right. So uh anyway, too bad they're not related because that would be I mean you love Tanner McAvoy. So. I do. Yeah. Uh all right, I'll let you have this one. So, as you know, Brian, my favorite holiday, or my, ooh, <laughs> probably my, yeah, I call this my favorite holiday of the year, Grand Old Day, um, is a one-day event on the first Sunday in June. Basically, a celebration of Grand Avenue in St. Paul, celebration summer. They shut down the street. Put a bunch of, you know, food vendors, beer gardens, the street shut down just for people to walk around, 
It's a zoo. Mm-hmm. There are people everywhere. But you can... Um, it's a pretty, you know, good place to um, enjoy a few beers during the day. Because, you know, having grown up in St. Paul, there are always people having parties. Yeah. Um, within a couple blocks of Grand Avenue. Stop by. And you just... People come out of the woodwork. You see... Yeah. Fr- you know, people you haven't seen in five, ten years even. Um, so it's always great, you know, you hear a yell, hey, is that you? And you reconnect with someone from uh, from your past. Yeah, all right. So, so I've never been. Well, maybe, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Yeah. But now it's going to be two days, yeah. supposedly. They're going to extend it to Saturday morning. Okay. But right now they're going to, the parade will still be on, or the street shutdown will still just be on Sunday. And the second, the Saturday, we'll just have some... Uh, Additional in-store events. Maybe that's why I never went because it was on a Sunday. And now, what, now why? it's just like, well, you get, this is going to work the next day. Oh, Brian. Dude, I mean, uh, not a, you know, <laughs> I can't take Monday off for a grand old day. You know, to recover from grand old But day. it ends at five. Okay. All right. So you, okay. So you're saying you can recover by five, you know, from five yes. to, all right. You go straight home, you go to bed. <laughs> But All right. that's it. We'll we'll bring you up. But Brian, um, just for an FYI, you know, we've only got probably three more three more weeks till my my second favorite St. Paul holiday comes up, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, will you join? You know, me and the St. Paul crew, so you get a taste for a real. Depends when it is. St. Patrick's Day. Depends when it is. It's on the Saturday. Saturday during the day. Okay. What what day? I don't. I... We we'll talk offline. All right. <laughs> I didn't know Brian was going to be so difficult to pin down on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon and morning. My days are busy, so what can I say? You know, I have I have a busy schedule. Um. All right. That's gonna. That, well, that's it for this week. Yeah. All right. So we a lot of uh, backlog podcasts for you to listen to. So hopefully you did. Did take advantage of that, um, and then we're back into a little bit of a normal schedule now that Efshin can finally prioritize uh, the Flannel Manifesto. Considers it important again, maybe. Cool, cool, right, right. It's cool. It's always important. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, you can reach us on Twitter at the Flannel Pod. Uh, you can email us theflannelmanifesto at gmail And aside from that, uh, thanks for listening this week, and we will catch you down the road. Adios. Thank you for listening. This has been the Flannel Manifesto.